You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 6 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm a journalist, interviewer and writer and I'm here to chat with the lovely Gina Militia. Gina, how are you this week? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good, I'm good. What's been happening in your world? Oh my God, this week has been all about plumbers. Plumbers? (laughs) Yes, I've got... um, uh, some work that needs to be done around the house and I needed to do a call, call out and get uh, plumbers to come around and quote to get this uh, job I had of some blocked pipes. Oh. And, yeah, so <laughs> there's this, the website that you can just put your job into and plumbers will contact you with with quotes so that you don't have to go out looking for them. And so, like, that whole process got me thinking about uh, how we work as, uh, like, because I consider... As a photographer, I'm a bit of a tradie as well. I go to people's houses and and do the job just like a a tradesman and the different way that people deal with customers and the kind of energy that you bring to the job. It was like so varied. Like like one guy rang me and it was like, g'day. And I'm like, yeah, hi, what are you you saying? (laughs) And he's like, yeah, you want a plumber and that? And then, and then there was like the second guy that called that was so professional. He's like, yes, I know exactly where you are. I can be there within the hour. And, you know, he had a, he had a, a, a quote in mind. He gave me, it could be between this and this. Let me come and have a look. I'll be there and da, da, da. And then, the, and then someone in between. So the way, the way we deal with clients and what you say and phone manner, it starts from the very start. And, and then they came to the house one by one. And they, the way you know, some of them would take their shoes off when they came in. Yeah. Others wouldn't. The way they speak to you, it like everything from so basically, the minute someone meets you, they've already made a judgment on whether they they want to work with you or not. It was like really interesting to be on the other side for a change. Now, if you've just stumbled upon this podcast, this is not a podcast about plumbing. This is actually a podcast about <laughs> photography. And uh, Gina and I are doing it because we're best mates and we love talking about this kind of thing. I am a photographic enthusiast. Gina is a photographic pro. And so really, I ask a lot of questions and Gina is going to answer them. And we hope to answer your questions as well. So please do email us if you do have a question that Gina uh, can answer because she's been doing photography for over 25 years and has shot everyone from, you know, oh, John Bon Jovi to KD Lang to Claudia Schiffer to the Dalai Lama to Elle McPherson uh, to, you know, guys on the street and regular people and CEOs as well. And that's what I find really interesting and diverse about her career. But I guess the important question, of course, this week, Gina, is did your drains get unblocked? 
Yes, it's amazing. We feel so fancy now that we've got a drain that actually works properly. <laughs> it's the little things. It is the little things. I'm so happy. Well, let's move away from plumbing and on to photography perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> I came across a link this week uh, about a, it was a story about how South some South Korean retailers have hit back at a government ban of unlicensed selfie sticks and apparently there are going to be punishments in South Korea of $30,000 fines or three years jail for selling the devices. Now, I think that's potentially a little bit excessive. I don't know what they have against selfie sticks or, well, unlicensed selfie sticks. I didn't really know that a selfie stick needed to be licensed. I mean, too much, right? Yeah, if you got a license to carry that selfie That's stick. That's insane. Oh my Seriously. God. I suppose it could be used as a weapon. But they're so out of control. Have you got one? I don't have a selfie stick. No. I'm now the proud owner of one, Val. Oh, you d- really? Did, you take <laughs> selfies? I didn't buy it. It was in a show bag. I went to a party last night and the gift bag that was handed out at the end of the night had a selfie stick in it. So it's still in the box. I, I uh, haven't pulled it out, but I, but I might. They're everywhere. I was, um, where was I? Uh, a couple of months ago when I was, I was working in Paris and at all the monuments, I, I couldn't get over how many people were standing there with their selfie sticks taking photos of themselves in front of the Eiffel Tower, really? in front of the, oh, it was just out of control. And some of them were filming and like little messages back to their family. And I was watching them and I'm like, are you, are any of you actually checking out the monument at this point? Or it's just, it's all about me in front of the monument. It was, it's, it's out of control. I'm not sure if I could bring myself to use a selfie stick, but I look forward to having a look at yours, Gina. (laughs) So another link I came across this week was from the uh, website Peter Pixel, and uh, it was a story about a taxi driver who, over his many years as a taxi driver, one of the things that he did was captured black and white portraits of his most eclectic passengers, and they range from, you know, pregnant mothers to who were drunk to uh, people who would run away without paying to people who were using illicit drugs, and he's got quite an interesting series of shots of basically his passengers, which are, and we'll put the link in the show notes, but they're all black and white and they all are quite full of character. But I was wondering whether you ever had a black and white face. I've had many black and white faces. Really? Yeah, yeah, I love it. And then Mm. I get sick of it and then I'll give it away and then I'll go through my colour phase and then back to another black and white phase. Yeah, of course. I don't know. I don't want when like, but when you have a black and white phase, are you just shooting everything in black and white or are you shooting specific things in black and white? Like the taxi driver was shooting the passengers in the back of his cab. Well, obviously when I was shooting film, it would be black and white or colour. And so when I was starting, I think 80, not 80% of my work was black and white. Really? Yes, because I was shooting uh, film and it was obviously if I was doing black and white, I could do it all myself. And when yeah. you were doing colour, you had to send it out. So that's the reason for that. So I saw, was constantly seeing in black and white. And I think it wasn't considered to be uh, credible unless you shot in black and white. Yeah. There's something about colour being what your mum and dad took at parties and that yeah. was for the amateurs, the professionals shot in, in black and white. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then when we got to digital, of course, we were shooting in colour. 
yeah. and then you'd, you'd process in black and white. And so there was a whole phase where I didn't do any because no one could work out how to convert from, from colour to black and white in digital and still make it look good. Mm. Then when we worked it out, it was just like, oh, my God, <laughs> let's do black and white for ages. So it's, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I think every, every now and, and, and then I'll, I'll go through my little black and white phase and then, and then I love colour again breaks it up again i guess i think i've only ever had one black and white phase and i suppose uh that was when i was doing darkroom stuff mm. and um i i mean of course i'd shoot various things but it was really strange now that i think about it and to be honest i haven't thought about it till that moment is that when i was going through that phase i constantly shot i know this is going to sound strange i constantly shot blow torches in black and white. <laughs> what? I, I know. It was just, Why? I've got to what look that, in the garage. You've got to a find, collection, haven't you? Well, I, I've let go of them all now. I think I only have one, but there was a time when I had I was collecting blowtorches. So <laughs> I was shooting them all at different angles. I think I was inspired by, you know how you can, you, you've, you've seen really macro shots um, yeah. of, of like saxophones or yeah. musical instruments and that sort of thing. And I was so obsessed with these blowtorches that I was shooting them at all sorts of different angles and making them look like different things and then dark rooming them and developing them and you know I've got my little proud ones in their little frames and stuff like that but <laughs> I, I grew out of that and I eventually grew out of the blow torches because really it's not that probably not that safe to have you know 103 blow torches in your house full of oil I so. wonder what a psychiatrist would say about that collection <laughs> Val. I really do I just like there must be a meaning for something like why why on earth would anyone have a f- did, weren't you allowed to play with fire as a child? I don't or know. Like, I don't it? know. <laughs> but I have another more practical question for you. I was talking to uh, our mutual friend Cheryl. Hi, Cheryl. Hey, Cheryl. From Busy Business Chic, and she's she's a great photographer. And she was talking to me about how she's moving from Canon to Nikon, just for her own personal preference, for various reasons. And I was just thinking, you know, like when you move to another decent camera that could be you know three grand five grand more Mm. and um it's it's quite a big investment so and it's not something i'm going to do very lightly how do you sample how do you try it out i mean i'm sure you can like borrow your friends when you're at your friend's house but that doesn't really give you enough time to to shoot and really look at what it can do well yeah well it's it's a big investment because you've got to think about all the lenses that you have as well. So yes. you've got to change everything over. So you've got to think about it really carefully and there has to be a good reason to change over. I think before doing that, you you would get, go and uh, rent a camera or if you've got a friend that's got the other, like if you've got a Canon and you want to try a Nikon, go try a friend's one mm. or go, in, go to the camera. I don't think it's enough to even try it in the camera store. I'd maybe no. try and rent one for a weekend. They're not that expensive to rent either, cameras and lenses. And have a play and see if you like it because they are a little bit different and you may not like it. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose you might so, love yeah. it. Yeah, it's worthwhile because it's. I, I don't think I could do it just on the basis of someone's recommendation because I've had several recommendations from people sometimes on various things and they just don't quite stack up. But um, I got an email today from somebody who was obviously going through their old magazines or something and they they sent me this scan of a magazine article that I wrote some a while ago and it was actually of um, – it, I, I will admit I did it for the headline. Mm-hmm. 
And it was all very above board and very pure and lovely. But, you know, the headline was meant to tease and get you into the story. And it was called In Bed With Four Men. (laughs) And the thing was, I was just, it was, I was just interviewing these four strippers, you know, male Uh strippers. They were kind of like the equivalent of the Chippendales or Manpower Uh or whatever. But to go with the story, we did a shoot of me in bed with four men. Nothing Uh untoward, Uh purely purely Uh for, you know, uh, the headline. And it was for one of the glossy women's magazines. I was going to say, what magazine? Was no, it no, <laughs> it was for a gloss. It was a for a very above board glossy women's magazine, and um, of course, though, and and you know, when you read the article, you realise it was just a profile on these guys, and it was all very innocent. But of course, my father uh, must have seen it because I got a email from my father saying perhaps you shouldn't do these types of stories. <laughs> but it was an interesting shoot. My point, sorry, it was an interesting shoot because we had to do it, um, do the shoot in a bed and the photographer had to get high up to get the angles and all this. Now, I know you've gone through sort of a let's shoot people in bed kind of phase. Why was that? I think you just go through phases as a photographer where you you have a a shot and it it just becomes your your like shot of the month or something. (laughs) You just like shooting it. So, yes, I've done a lot of those. Uh, it, it just woken up shoots with guy, you know, a lot of actors and actresses where it would be like the beautiful white bed in the beautiful hotel room with the crumpled sheets and the breakfast tray. Mm. I love that shot. It never gets tired. <laughs> <laughs> love it. So it's like, yeah. And so if I'm ever sort of um, lost for ideas and I'm stuck in a hotel room with someone, it, it'll be on like the, hey, why don't we do you on the bed painting your toenails or why don't I do you lying down on the bed or, yeah, I love it. <laughs> so do you shoot that in hotels or do you shoot that in your studio and make up like pretend a pretend bed or – uh, I've done both. We've had a, a bed, and you can actually uh, really easily make. I've got these uh, ottomans that I that large. Um, they're sort of like day beds that I use um, as a, a mock bed because you only need the corner, and it looks. You can put the pillows in, and it suddenly looks like a bed. So I was doing that a lot. And then yeah. there's certain actors that you, you cannot get to a studio. So you've got to go to them to their hotel room, and so often the, the, the bed's there. You may as well do the "Hey, you just woke up, handsome man in bed" shot. You know, <laughs> just yeah, I just happened to be here. <laughs> just happened to look this incredible. You did the girls like painting their toner. Oh, look at me! I just look. Look at me! I just woke up. I'm flawless. Forget and the beautiful. fact that there's been two hours of hair and makeup. Two hours it. of hair and makeup to make the hair look tussled and just look at me. I'm so, and, and that natural, I don't have any makeup, but there's seven inches under there of makeup to look like you don't have makeup on. Which brings me That's to. That's a skill. Which brings me to what I'd actually like us to cover this week um, in, you know, in the podcast, which is organising a shoot. Because when you organise a shoot with, you know, with four strippers and a bed and, <laughs> or someone doing hair and makeup or whatever, and various actors, it's not just the photographer and the subject. It's, it can sometimes be a cast of thousands and sometimes, you know, if you have to organise a set or, or, or a breakfast tray or whatever, there's quite a lot involved so what I'd like to do is go through what it takes to organize a shoot and I suppose if we narrow it down to a portrait shoot or an editorial shoot for a magazine Mm. what are the various elements that go to make a successful shoot so 
Take it away, Gina. What do we start with? I guess what's step one in organising a successful shoot? All right. Well, well, basically, like I should define, so I've got like four basic types of um, of shoots that I might be organising. So it might be uh, an advertising, an editorial, an event, or a portfolio shoot, right? Okay. Well, let's and just so, define those for a minute. So advertising, you're shooting something for a brand, like their yes. ad. An yes. editorial is like shooting pages of a magazine. Yes. An event should be self-explanatory. You're shooting, you know, uh, the Melbourne Cup or, or the Logies or whatever. Yep. Yep. And portfolio is when people are just – you define that for me. So, so portfolio would be actors, models, business people uh, or, uh, yeah, but basically that or uh, musicians and they'll need a, a portfolio like a, a group of, of photos. Okay, to, great. To All showcase right. them. Yeah. Please go on. All right. So, so basically uh, what we need to do when we're organising a shoot, if we're doing advertising, it'll be a really specific brief like I did uh, a lingerie shoot um, not so long ago and, and the brief uh, was so specific it, like I had a, a background that I needed to replicate exactly. I had a lighting reference in the brief i had a target market this is who we're shooting for they told me the number of shots required and the mood and feel of the shot how they want how they wanted it to the vibe Mm. and then i'm working really closely with an art director to create that shot right when i'm doing um editorial they are images that need to go with a story. So generally the story's already been written. So it might be, you know, someone announcing that they're getting married and the story that goes how we met and our love for each other and you've got to create all the uh, photos that go with that. Or it might be a cover shoot mm. about someone who's got a role in a new show and uh, here they are at home with them or just uh, a story about the particular person and their rise to fame and then we might you know, need to do lots of different shots. So the brief will tell me what the story is and the tone and feel because it could be a really upbeat, happy story, this is good news, or it could be that, you know, they might have uh, uh, just lost a baby and, mm. like, we've done shoots like that and it's really sombre and mm. so I need to make sure that the, the, the photos fit the tone it's no point doing them leaping and happy when it's a really somber story so and then they'll ask for they'll tell me how many different shots required and whether they want it to be uh on location or in studio right and portrait or landscape Exactly, and that's another thing that, that they'll say, you know, we need – and they usually ask for them all to be both portrait and landscape, mm. so they've got a choice. And particularly now that everything is shot for uh, print and web, because mm. we've got to cover web now, you ha- I, I make sure I shoot everything horizontal as well. So you just – you set up the shot, you do a portrait, and then you go, hang on, I'm just going to get some horizontals of this, and you've covered yourself. Uh, with event, it'll be like a product launch, an award ceremony, a, a corporate lunch or something like the races, an event, right? And so the the brief for that will be key guests that you need to photograph. Oh, that is so important. Uh, yes. Yes. So they'll list. It's like and you and the first thing you you'll get is like a list of all the guests and they're like, okay, you got to get this person if you can get this person with this person, but you, you've got a whole checklist of everyone there and like who you need to get them with. Mm. Uh, products because now every single event is uh, there's there's product sponsorship now of events. 
So it used to be that the client would just have the event, but now suddenly the water, the alcohol, the flowers, they're, they're all sponsored. Yep. So we have to make sure that we get try and get the the guests holding the particular you know Fiji water in their hand or right. with with the in front of the the product so that we get those shots as well table shots so that you can see uh, ha- how they're set and the flowers and the arrangements the speakers when they get up to talk so the key speakers giving their speeches very important shot uh, food as well because often. The event. Uh, so now chefs are as as big a celebrity as as the actual a lot of the celebrities that attend. So yes. if it's a celebrity chef, people want to know the food. People really want to know the food and how it's arranged, and and so that's a they're really crucial shots to get because then it's covered by all the food and beverage magazines as well. Mm. So you got to get the drinks and then shots that cover the whole vibe of the event. So wide shots that cover the whole the whole place so that you can see everything inside and outside and then there's all the little details as well. I've commissioned quite a few photographers to shoot events and I think that um, it's interesting to see how different ones work because some of them will be really, uh, you know, a little bit fly on the wall which means Mm. they get those shots that are, uh, they've taken from they're, they're quite long shots and they, they're mm. shots of people talking mm. and but not every photographer can master that you really need that skill to be able to to do that quite well and get them when they're not looking stupid when, like when they're not making a face and they're, they're, they're looking oh, yeah. animated and happy yep. Yep. Uh, but then some other photographers um, are, are perfectly comfortable to break into a conversation and say, oh, would you mind if I get a shot? And you have these great, beautiful, lively shots of them looking at the camera. Yep. But then you get some who can't do either and you just yep. get this mess at the end of it and just lots of people's backs and, you know, people's heads but no real um, life. There's in, a real it. skill. There's a real skill to event photography. It's very difficult and it very. takes a lot of courage to actually break into a group mm. and, and break it open and, and get them to, like, pose for you. And, uh, yeah, it's take, take, it took me a few years to, you know, have the courage to – and I'm, I was one of those photographers who would hover around the edges <laughs> waiting for a break in the conversation. But now I know how to do it. I can barge right in and, like, excuse me, Prime Minister, like, yeah, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> We're talking about anything important. Like, you know, <laughs> policy or something, anything I should know about. But there's a way to do it where you, you hopefully keep everyone on side yes. and uh, you can get that shot. And then also that one where the people are talking and, you know, they're not, not, not um, they don't have food in their mouth or something yes. like that. Uh, yeah, but definitely something that takes some practice and a lot of courage, I think. So when, when you do do events, you're shooting people and obviously in many cases – where wherever it appears the people are named now in whose job is it to are you meant to keep track keep track of who you've shot um does does a, is there a publicity person you know who who names them later what on a practical level occurs it depends on how you uh, organise your contract for that particular shoot. Mm-hmm. I fortunately managed to uh, get out of doing captions for every single event that I've ever photographed <laughs> because I don't like doing it and I know I'm not very good about at it and you know, Val, that uh, getting people's names right 
point. It's not my strong point. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do recall when I actually pretended to be your assistant at once and I was the caption girl yes. <laughs> getting everyone's names after yes. you shot them. Yeah, so I, I often it's a, a PR girl that I'll get to sort of shadow me and make sure that we get all the names and, and that's really important when it's a big event and, um, yeah, and then it saves me the embarrassment of, like, if it's a really big name star that I should know who they are and I should know what their wife's name is but I forget, it's, it's okay for the publicist to just come up and, and just under the, the sort of the... Uh, pretending that we just need to get the spelling correct and yes. uh, and your wife's name, just spell it again for me. So that's how <laughs> we do that. Um, that was a really good way to get names of everyone too. So I remember, yeah, so, I remember uh, commissioning a, a photographer once and, um, uh, you know, and sh- it was her job to get the names because, you know, I had other things to do that day because I was hosting the event. And she was shooting them but she then would write their names on her phone and that took forever. So she got hardly any shots through the whole thing because she thought it was a good idea to write, you know, to type in their names on her phone. So she had to juggle her phone and her camera. And anyway, I didn't really get hire her again. But uh, we'll move on to something else. Yeah, no, I actually get anxious when you talk about captions. It's just like, it, it did, it's like the, the, probably the least favourite thing for me, other than shooting products, getting captions, people's names. Uh, <laughs> oh. Okay, well, good thing you're out of it now that you've negotiated you, yes. out of your contract. What else? Uh, uh, so, uh, the final kind of uh, brief that I might get is for a portfolio shoot. So, again, for the actors, models, and um, this might come direct from the client. Or it could be an agent or it could be a network or production house or a record label that, that will commission me. And so, basically, for that, I'll be uh, the brief will be how many shots they need. Uh, the studio, whether it's studio or location that they want and the kind of wardrobe and the, and the whole vibe and feel that they want for the shoot. So, it'll, you know, usually it's to, to, to provide enough, uh, enough shots to last for, the, you know, the next six months or something to, to promote that particular talent or actor or business person. So we've got the brief and I want to move straight into you've got the brief and what, how important it is to set up a shot list. Um, because you know you need to achieve X number of looks, so I want to skip. I want to. I want to hit. I want to talk about that. And do you have like a framework or a system or a you know? Because I've received shot lists from you and they're they're very handy. Do you have a methodology even on how to <laughs> set up a shot list? Because timing is really important if you've got to achieve a certain number of shots in a certain time. Yep. Yeah. So let's just assume that the event is a, a sort of a different beast altogether. That's that's something um, separate. But let's let's just go on, say, the editorial advertising or a portfolio shoot. Yeah. So that, that they're very similar in how I'll work them. So first of all, I'll um, I've got to allow for me to arrive at the venue and bring all the gear in. Yeah. And set up. Yeah. And so that's for. Uh, the, the photographer, uh, the assistants, the makeup artist, and the stylist to all arrive, unload their stuff, and, and bump in. And so that could be anything from 30 minutes to an hour, depending on how um, intricate the, the, the set is going to be and the actual shoot itself. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, then I think about hair and makeup and how long is needed for that. And so that, again, depends on whether we're shooting uh, females or males. And so it could be if it's a corporate shoot and we've just got, you know, CEOs and things like that that, we're, that that might need some makeup. And they generally do. It's a good idea to give CEOs a little bit of makeup. Um, mm. It's anywhere between, say, um, 15 to 30 minutes to two and a half hours for, like, a a model, a cover, a high-end look. I've waited that long to get hair and makeup done for one person. Yeah. So you've got to factor that into the day. And then the other thing is you want to allow um, time for people to get dressed and try on their clothes. Yeah. And that should also be factored in because, like, people have forgotten that in the running sheet and then that takes up, uh, like, a, it'll, it'll eat into the day otherwise. So just allow for that at the start. Mm. Um, then you need to think about the type of shot that you're doing. So if I'm shooting advertising, generally they allow a lot longer per shot. So sometimes... A lot longer. Oh, my God. A lot <laughs> <And> longer. <laughs> coming out of, like, my TV background mm. has been, like, you've got... We need to get... 72 shots done today okay let's go now we've got only got four hours go <laughs> right and so you just shoot 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 advertising they'll come in and the brief is okay um a little bit pressed for time today um we have to get three shots done and we've only got a day are you gonna be okay with that and i'm like oh, i don't know i don't know three shots in a day and then and then I spend my whole time. I'm looking at my assistant, and he's like, "Slow down." I'm like, "I don't, I don't know what to do to have this out any longer. What is everyone doing all day with their time? Go, they're go moving move. it one millimeter so, to the right." So I go, "Go move, go move the light. Just move it a little bit." Sorry, we just got a lighting check. No, 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 that's fine. You take your time. Take your time. So, <laughs> um, so obviously, advertising, they just, yeah, it, it, it is literally painful. <laughs> It's just mm. like move the light, move the light, move the light. Mm -hmm. And then something like, say, a lookbook shoot where it's uh, a fa like a fashion house will mm. want all their outfits photographed mm. over the space of the day. We might literally be doing a shot every few minutes. It's, it's as fast as the model can get dressed and undressed. Mm. We're shooting it, you know, so that's a really fast pace. Um, so in that case, you would have just the same background, same plain background. You're not changing the background. It's just like yeah. next, next, next. And catalogue's the same as that. So probably not as fast, but, you know, a similar sort of pace. So obviously you're not allowing as much time. Big difference in the two styles of shooting. Um, and then you want to allow time into the into the call sheet for, for uh, hair and makeup changes. So you might have, like, yeah. say if we're doing a portfolio shoot where we're going to get four or five different looks, and by different looks I mean we're completely changing the way the person uh, is looking on the day. So yeah. obviously a lot harder with a guy. We can style their hair slightly differently, but it might be that, you know, one of the shots will be in a black tux looking very suave, and then the other shot might be a more casual, he's in his jeans and barefoot and the white T-shirt, you know, that old shot. Yeah. And <laughs> so you need to allow time in the schedule to change that. So particularly if it's a woman, it's like who's had the hair up and, and, and beautiful and wavy and suddenly we're doing an updo mm. and changing her makeup entirely. So the lipstick, the eyeshadow, everything gets changed and the makeup might, we usually generally start with light makeup and then go to heavy allow mm. time in the schedule for that 
the other thing that you want to allow time for is lighting and set changes. And that's a big one. And you can get caught out on this and sort of forget to, and suddenly having, you know, 15 people watching you, watching their watches while you're trying to set up for a new shot, Mm. that can be stressful. But if you've got that, you know, sort of set up in the time, I need this 30 minutes to completely relight the set for this next shot. Mm. Everyone go have a break at that time and you keep working or something like that. And then always remember to schedule in lunch breaks through the shoot. And if it's a really long day, schedule in another one in the afternoon because people get cranky when their blood sugar drops. <laughs> yes. And yeah. also some makeup needs to be redone afterwards. In fact, after yeah. lunch. Yeah, so, they've um, eaten their lipstick up exactly. and so it needs to be applied. And it's <laughs> sort of, you know, about four o'clock is where you're probably a good idea to have like a bowl of lollies mm. and you pass that around and sort of just to give everyone that sugar hit to keep going and, you know, coffees as well at that time. So have you ever um, had a brief from a client where they've had they've got their idea of what they think the shot list should be or the kinds of different shots they'd like to achieve and which is always good that they ha- that they are proactive that they have an idea but sometimes i know like you, i've looked at it and go oh my god this is a horrendous idea these these are horrendous <laughs> shots yeah. that's not, it's not going to work at all how do you negotiate that do you shoot the horrendous shot in the horrendous location but do the best version of it that you can or do you try and challenge them what it depends on the client so if it's someone that i've known and worked with so if it was you val <laughs> i'd say I know exactly what i'd you say, say straight up that sucks i'm not doing it <laughs> yes <laughs> but if it was if it's a new client or and obviously someone i haven't worked with for very long i, I, I would probably uh the way I usually do it is I say, okay, that's great. We're going to do that. And if I've got time at the end of the shoot, would you mind if I tried something else? Mm. And which is so we've got another version of this shot. Mm. And there's okay. always time and they always say yes. Mm. And then I do the other version. Right. And they usually use the other version. Yeah, of course. But it's got to it's, – <laughs> you can't just – just like completely, um, you know, disrespect them because it yeah. is like they would take that personally if you just said that sucks. But I can say that to you, you know, because I don't mind offending you. But there is a way, and and I've seen I've seen photographers do that. Just say I don't want to do that. That's a stupid idea. Yeah, that's a bad move. Yeah, because you're offending the client, and mm. and and sometimes you might what you might think is going to be lame. You do it and you go, actually, it looks all right. And you, you can work together with the client. So they've got an idea and you can say, okay, let's do that. You do the best job that you can to give them what they've asked for. That's what they're paying you for. Yeah. And then you um, over-deliver by just adding your expertise into that and just say, how would you feel if we just, you know, took this idea and just tweaked it a bit? And that's what you want, I think, when you're doing anything. You want someone to take what you've given them and then just improve on it a little bit. How um, Have you ever been in situations where you've had wardrobe malfunctions or just stuff that, that, that you know, stuffs up the shot basically like that? 
Yeah, all the time. That happens all the time. That's why it's really important that you factor in that wardrobe time to allow people to try on the clothes and make sure that they're happy with them. It's really important because I I can't tell you how many um, shoots have been ruined when uh, the model or the the actor is, is trying on the clothes and the stylist has completely gotten them wrong in terms of what they would wear, what oh, they would enjoy yeah. wearing, and their sizes as well. So oh, the sizes, I know. It's, it's like, no, I'm not a size, you know, this, I'm a size this, and then we've had to go and call out for other clothes, or that the poor actor or model just feels really uncomfortable all day because yeah. they're in something that's teeny tiny, yeah. and they're, they're like, it just doesn't fit well, or we've waited hours while shoes are being, you know, couriered in from, from yeah. somewhere else or the right jeans or anything. But um, I think the <laughs> the biggest um, uh, wardrobe um, sort of malfunction it wasn't really a malfunction, but there was a a show, well, and a, a situation that I was working on. Mm-hmm. It was a, a PG rated show, right? And we were doing a big cast shoot, and the main. Um, Spit it out, Gina. Diva. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Who was front and centre, insisted on wearing um, one of those uh, dresses that that plunged all the way, way past the navel. So it was like a big V, you know, those dresses? Classy. Where you can see the the the, the cleavage from the side, like ev- like everything, it's just kind of open and and yeah, More she than wanted just to the wear cleavage. well everything and and you know and sort of you can't wear a bra with that sort of dress. So mm. there's like how, how do I like um what's the word like overhang? <laughs> okay. <laughs> But, so all of that, it's not, it's not that you'd probably want tape for that sort of situation, right? right? Yes, well, I'm she wasn't saying. wearing any tape, so it's like this big V. And, like, we are all there going, she can't be wearing that dress. But no one would stand up to her and say, you can't wear that dress. Oh, they dear. let her wear the dress. Oh, dear. And then they said, you'll have to fix it in post, Gina. <laughs> what do you mean? How do you fix a dress in post? I had to retouch the front panel onto the dress. Oh, I you did. had to create a. I had front to create panel. a new dress. I dressed her. <laughs> oh, I felt like dear. you know. Did you when you were a kid? Did you have those flip books where you had the the cutout of the girl who was just in her underwear, and then you could dress her with the paper dresses and pants yes. each day? Yes. I loved those. That's what I felt like that oh, day. Dear. <laughs> so I redressed her. Okay, I'm going to get her name when we're uh, no. off. Uh, no. <laughs> no, don't shoot and tell. Right, sure. Um, okay, well, that was obviously the diva's doing, um, but I have to admit that I've been at fault, you know, uh, uh, with wardrobe uh, issues um, because I recently shot an actor who I have to say was once really, really hot. <laughs> And had a really fit body and um, I brought the clothes, uh, you know, various shirts and, you know, they're beautiful blue shirts to go with his blue eyes and all of this. But, of course, I was basing it on um, the uh, hot persona that he previously played in his other role. But then he played um, quite a hardened criminal and had to put on a bit of weight for it. 
Uh-huh. So uh, the, none of the clothes I bought fit him. So the poor guy, he did feel self-conscious. Yeah. And um, in the end, I mean, he's still good looking and everything, but none of the clothes fit properly. So, but and, and his clothes were not appropriate. And we just did not have time to call in new clothes or anything. So every shot had to be really close <laughs> and just off his face. No. But it was still all right, you know. It worked out okay. You learn these things. But anyway, let's move on to... I guess I want to talk about um, the infrastructure of the day because, you know, you've got your shot list, you've got the various people that are involved. But on the day at the actual location, what are some physical things that need to be sorted? Like, I mean, one that immediately comes to mind for me is there needs to be a dedicated space for hair and makeup. Yes. But, but I'm sure there's others, so please do, you know... And lightness. Well, you, you definitely there needs to be a dedicated space to hair and makeup. There also should be a dedicated space to uh, for the stylist. And even if there isn't a stylist, there should be somewhere to hang all the clothes and there should be somewhere to lay out all the shoes and even a small table to lay out all the accessories so that you can see at a glance what everything is and how we're going to dress everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we should, you know, give every like work out. Do you need catering on the day? Mm-hmm. We're going to bring it in. Who's getting it? Because if you have to stop, at, and I've been on shoots where it, like it hasn't been planned. And <laughs> just thinking, there was one shoot that we did that there were so many um, of us in the crew, and it was like we had been there for hours and hours and hours, and we were in their house, mm-hmm. and we were starving. <laughs> <laughs> and they hadn't fed us, and uh, we both know this makeup artist very well. And <laughs> she just like said, point blank, I have to eat. I'm not going on anymore. What have you got? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And she made this really well-known, high up there businessman raid through his fridge. And do you know all he had were um, Magnum ice <laughs> Magnum ice creams? Oh my god. So that's what we ate. That's all he had in his fridge. Oh, dear. <laughs> so catering is so important yeah. on a shoot and it should be like something uh, you make sure that you've got like enough food to cover everyone. Uh, think about everyone's dietary needs because some people obviously allergic to certain things or they might be gluten intolerant or vegetarian and always have... Uh, that and lots uh, of food available and a whole variety and healthy and maybe some non-healthy stuff. And I always have like uh, a whole selection from morning to cover me from morning till night. So in the morning I might have muffins and fruit and nuts out and then uh, for lunch we'll have, you know, something that's easy. And it's, it should always be food that's easy to grab on the go because yeah. you don't want to be stopping and sitting down to eat. Yeah. But let's clarify. You just referred to it as catering. You, I mean, you don't literally mean get it catered, do you? You can. There's shoots where we do that. Obviously, the caterer comes in and they'll they'll bring the food in the morning. Uh, you know, and as we require it, they'll come in. You know, before the shoot starts, and yep. there'll be just trays. There'll be the breakfast. There'll be lunch. And there. And I've had um, when we do say a big cast shoot, the actual catering van will rock up to the studio. And we'll all go outside. I find that that's more then. typical of television yes. shoots, but yes. not editorial shoots. Not editorial or and um, advertising, they'll generally have catering in and editorial, 
we generally nowadays we get it ourselves Mm, yeah (laughs) because i have to say with my experience with editorial in australia anyway you know we're we're getting getting the models dressed um in the back of the car or or holding up a towel at the beach and you Mm. know it's 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 not fancy and we're driving around in the photographer's bombing car to the next location and we're doing makeshift hair and makeup things yep. here and there. I mean, that's not typical necessarily, but it's it's, it's on many instances that I've experienced. Yep. And then I went, um, I did some shoots in New York and I just got the shock of my life because, you know, there uh-huh. was practically this Winnebago the size uh-huh. of a four-bedroom house with racks and makeup you know, um, uh, a counter and everything and just the whole shebang and um, all the permits organised. We didn't yes. have to, you know, find the places that you didn't need a permit and shoot there and it, it was a whole other world but it was a great. And, of course, there are some shoots like that in Australia as well but yep. it's um, it just seemed a lot more like um, the done thing over there. Yeah, and it's so good when it's like that. You've got everything there. But so if, if, if we're just sort of running on the shoestring, mm. then you'd, you'd want to have someone that you can call on that can just go and do the coffee run when you need to. So that's generally, uh, in my case, it, it's an assistant. Mm. And, uh, and sometimes I know if it's going to be a lot of running around and a lot of moving, I might have a second assistant uh, on. And their job is basically just to run around and get the coffees and just help everyone out just to, and it's almost worth it just to make the day go a bit yeah. smoother and, and and it means that everyone can keep working including my assistant who's assisting me and we can keep shooting and this other person is just ducking out getting all of that stuff and keeping everyone fed and watered because that's so important because if people start to fade you, yeah. you you're not getting the great shots so speaking of everyone's role, so you've talked about the role of the assistant and the, there's obviously the role of the talent, the hair and makeup artist. Now, if you have a client on on location or on set, how involved do you want them to be? How involved should they be? For any clients who are listening, what is the best kind of way to work that relationship? Well, again, that really depends on the type of shoot so so there's times when I want the client to to really be hands-on and that would be uh, say an advertising shoot where they've got a specific product mm. and they've already determined how that shot is going to fit into you know the, the the ad itself they've already written the text they've already got the position where it's going they already you know have the space reserved so they've got a really distinct look and so you'd want to be working really closely with them because they're approving it as you go, you know. So they're there yeah. right next to you and you're saying, is this what you want? Is this what you want? Because yeah. the last thing you want is to have to reshoot oh, yeah. when they're saying you didn't give us what you wanted. You want them there. And, and I've, I've seen um, instances sometimes when the client can't be there and we are uh, on the shoot like emailing them shots for mm. them to approve that you know the art director's sending stuff through and that happens all the time because we can't afford to just hope that we've got it right yep. only for the client to say um no i actually wanted the person on the other side and that person's not not the right look or whatever and i don't like that top yeah you know um if it's a, a big cast shoot and it's uh, like uh 
covers or content for magazines or something, I want the publicist right next to me telling me uh, exactly if it's, a, if it's a show I've never seen before, mm. I need to know what the show's about. So, mm. like, I can remember, so generally when I do those big, big cast shoots, uh, and it, I've got to cover marketing, I've got to cover uh, stuff for all the different magazines, because generally the, the, it's the production company and the network that will supply to all the magazines ahead of time because we'll never get this cast together again. Yeah. So we're doing everything at once and I haven't seen the show because it hasn't come out. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's the publicist's job to know who everyone is, what their relationship uh, is. And it's really bizarre because some of those blockbuster, you know, TV shows that have come out, mm. you know, I'm getting an insight to whoever, but I've not never met any of these actors and then they go on to be big names and mm. I'm meeting them and I, you know, have never seen them before and they're playing these iconic characters and mm. you like it. So she'll be in my ear saying, okay, so he's had an affair with her sister but she doesn't know about it and then he kills her. Okay, got it? So stand them together and kind of try and convey that, you know, and and that's how it works and it's like, you know, they love each other but then they're going to hate each other down the track. So can you cover the bit where they love each other and then flip them around back to back so we show they hate each other. And so we've got to cover all the storylines, all the potential covers that might happen Mm. and, you know, and then we might do some lifestyle stuff you know, and some th- that show them as they are, not in character. So at yeah. that time, I can't remember, you know, I'm just going from, I might have four different sets going at this time. Mm. And so I'm going from set to set to set. I might be creating um, uh, cast shots and individual shots and this person's being taken away from me just as I'm getting that shot. There might be composites that I can't get everyone together. So I've got mm. to create the shot later. So I don't have time to be keeping track of the shot list. Mm. So you need a really good publicist who's across it all going, okay, so now we need the cover for blah, blah, blah. You need to make sure we get this shot, this shot, this shot. And, you know, I've worked with some amazing ones that just like you just that make. So all I'm thinking about is the shot. Mm. I've got an assistant who's making sure that all my lights are firing Mm. and I'm focusing on getting that expression right. So when you're working with so many people, like a cast, how do you, you know, just keep everything on track when you have to basically coordinate so many people? You've got to trust that everyone is doing their job and I can't be overseeing, I, you know, I, I can't be worrying that the makeup artist isn't doing their job mm. or that the stylist isn't bringing... I I just need to trust that that's all taken care of Mm. and I focus on what I need to focus on and and allow the rest to happen. And I know that they're all professionals Mm. and they all do an exceptional job. So what happens, because I've been in situations like this with you, when, you know, sometimes for just unforeseen circumstances, you run out of time and you haven't completed your shot list. You've got, say, 10 shots that you wanted to get but in it, you're up to number six, and it's going to finish in half an hour, kind of thing. Yeah, just through not not through disorganisation, just through just forces out of your control. Maybe it rains or something. I don't know. You got three options, I think, in in that case. If you go over time, is mm. to just like you consult with the client and say, look, we've got a couple of shots we need to still do. Obviously, we're coming up to time. 
are you okay if we go over time? And by that, by are you okay if we go over time is are you prepared to um, fork out the extra money it's going to cost you to pay uh, the talent? Yeah, everyone, yeah. Everyone over time. And and then there's situations where if it's after 5.30, suddenly people are on time and a half. Mm. And if it's a cast of, you know, several, it, it gets really expensive. So the client needs to weigh up whether it's worthwhile going over time Mm. Or, or losing the shot, or, or you know, or coming back and doing it again. So, and so the other the other option is to finish, cut cut losses, mm. or the third one is to say, okay, we're done. Everyone's exhausted. We're not going to go any longer. Shall we reschedule and try and get this another time? And again, it like obviously, if it's that big cast shoot, we go over time. Mm. We always go over time and it'll just keep going and some have blown out, you know, but we have to get the shot and they just know that getting everyone together again, it's never going to happen. Do you ever so, just try and rush it? Yeah, well, you just like if you've got... Like try and get the other four yeah, shots done. Exactly. If you've got people there that are doing, if you've got that good publicist next to you who's checking and checking and checking, mm. they're going right. That They might be... Um, going through the shot list ahead of time and going, we are so down on time that we have to kill this shot, kill that shot, kill that shot. And so they're getting rid of all the maybe the extra fillers that they put in because they hope to get those mm. if we have time kind of shots. And then you make sure that you're nailing all the covers and all the high-profile shots that you absolutely must get, mm. right? And so, yeah. So let's say you've organised the shoot, you've done your shot list, you've got coordinate all these people, it's running to time, you know, you've got the right brief from the client, the client's there being helpful or leaving you alone where, where needed and you've wrapped for the day, like you've got your final shot. Is there a procedure for after that? What, what's, do you have a ritual? Do you have a, you know, a, a, a cliched, it's a wrap, everyone? <laughs> or how do you end the day? I do say it's a wrap. That's a wrap, guys. And then there might be a round of applause. It's <laughs> <laughs> really cute. And, uh, and then, you know, there might be a little bit of high-fiving sometimes. <laughs> and, and then I kind of, I think... Um, what's your process of packing and winding down and just finishing up do you have to go through mentally the day again or do you do you check certain things and go oh my god did I get that shot like what's your process I don't I um I generally we want to start packing up and getting out of there so it's it's just that wind down um I'm dying to have a look at all my shots but I don't so I make sure that I'll get in there and uh sometimes I'll go and talk to the client and we just have a debrief because sometimes so much has gone on in the day like a, particularly if it's a big production shoot, there's yeah. all these little factions, <laughs> you know. Did you see so-and-so and so-and-so? <laughs> did you, did you, yeah, yeah I saw that. What, what happened? Fill me in. So there's a lot of that that goes on. Um, and then there's like we might be talking about certain shots that we're really happy with or whatever. Sometimes it just is such a rush that I'm sitting down with the client and we are picking shots that they want as their hero because I've got then got to go back to the office and uh, outsource them straight away. What do you mean outsource them? So like process the files and get them back to the client same day. Right. Because it's like time is, is of the essence. And, yeah. then, and then when it's not the case, it'll be a matter of like, you know, winding down, packing everything away. I might have, you know, uh, just a quiet time to myself and then the, the drive home is when I unwind. 
So what happens after that in that, for example, when I um, uh, do a big story, when I write a big story and I file it, Mm. that's it for me. I file it and it's done. I don't Mm. think about it again, unless an editor comes back to me, obviously. But uh, in most cases... I just never think about it again because I've, I've done it, that's over, I'm on to the next thing. Whereas people often ask me, oh, do you wait for it to come out and look at it or do you read it again or do you think you should have done this, should have done that? Do you for, when it comes to photography? Well, so after the shoot happens, then the hard work really starts. Mm-hmm. This is when the processing, the files, going through, editing and uh, you know, building the shot often. I'm often working on them in Photoshop and creating cast shots. And so there's, there's a lot of work. And then I might have to wait a year to see that photo again. But I, I'm so attached and to those photos. They're like family to me <laughs> that I really want to know they've gone to a good home. Wow. And seeing them, like you might be, and it might be a complete surprise. You'll be driving down the freeway and you'll look up and you'll see a billboard and you go, oh, that's mine. Oh, yeah. my God. And I'm always really proud and happy and uh, excited to see. You, it's lovely to see your work in print, especially a, a photo when it's printed well and it's yeah. up there. I don't think there's a greater feeling or seeing it on a cover. I, can rem- I still remember how I felt when I got my first cover. I still remember how I felt when I got my first tiny, tiny, teeny image in print. It mm. was just like, the, it, it's, it's beautiful. It's great lovely. To, great to see the final product at the end of the journey. Exactly. Well, speaking of end of the journeys, this is the end of our journey for this episode. Oh, nice, Valerie. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. uh, so thank you to everyone who's been, who have, if you've been listening, I'm, not, I'm obviously getting a bit tired now. Thank you for those of you who've been listening. Um, we really appreciate you um, uh, listening to episode six. We're looking forward to bringing you more episodes uh, in the weeks to come. If you have a question you'd like Gina to answer, please do email us, news at GinaMilitia.com. We'd love to hear from you. And um, please feel free to tweet or uh, Facebook or just connect with us on social media. Gina is, what are you, Gina, on social media? At Gina Militia for, for most things, yeah. everything. Yeah, so basically Twitter, Instagram, and search for Gina Militia Photography on Facebook. I'm at Valerie Koo on Twitter and Instagram and everything as well. And um, we'd love to hear from you. If you have an opportunity to take 30 seconds to leave us a rating on iTunes or just to send us an email to find out, um, to, to let us know what you'd like to know more about because we'd really love to ensure that this podcast is useful and full of information that you can actually take, and, take away and implement. So uh, until next time, it's goodbye from us and uh, thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.